six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We have commit and we have liftoff at 213. And it has cleared the tower. Prepare yourself for a world Good morning, everybody. Conley here. Science Nights in the morning. We have Dr. Thomas Schiller and Dr. Sean Graham in the house. And, uh, well, we have a really interesting and very unique show for you today because uh, we're going to be talking about some anomalies in science that were are just recently coming to light. And there's a lot of stories uh, when it comes to science right now. And it, it has to do with not only uh, our own biology and our own kind of Per, like perception of how we see the evolutionary process kind of going, but it also like kind of debunks a lot of our own prerequisites that we've kind of come to. So I'm just going to go ahead and okay, start it first, off. First, a disclaimer. Okay. Sean and I have no clue what you're about to talk about. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, Conley, Conley <laughs> just discovered this, so we're, we're going to be surprised by this. Uh, well, I, I, it better I, not I'm have a, to do with Sasquatch or aliens. or Aliens, <laughs> uh, well, one one is uh, a, a, some... It's about aliens, isn't it, <laughs> there, There's one about aliens, <laughs> but, 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 but there, I wasn't going to start with that. Okay. But I thought this was great because, you know, I talked about it this week on the show, and uh, it really intrigued a lot of people because, you know, when we're kids and we're young, and, you know, our kids, like, ask us, I mean, uh, let me ask both of you, have your kids asked you why the sky is blue? No, my kid just eats his boogers. Okay, all right, well, well, Sean? Yeah. No, he hasn't got, thankfully, he hasn't started the uh, the annoying why phase yet. <laughs> well, what, 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 uh, why, what age is that why phase? Like, because I there's all these he, questions out there. Yeah, he's coming up on it, I think. But right now, he's just like, he's real cool and like, he just likes to learn new words. And so, you know, he's got to the point now where it's not just a whale, it's a bowhead whale. Oh, you know, okay. he's figured out that there's different kinds of different things. And he's just, his, his mind's just gobbling up all that stuff. And yeah, I, I imagine, you know, it's not the, the questions why are really interesting and it's cool. Like we should hold on to that because that's really what science is, is continuing to ask those questions. Right. Why, yeah. And try to figure out the answer. But what I'm not looking forward to is like the, you know, go to your room and then he asks why. Right. <laughs> and yeah. then the answer is because I told you to, and that's, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that. And those two, I think those two phases come at exactly the same time. So that's what I meant by, I'm glad he hasn't hit that yet. Yeah. Right before they start listening to rage against the machine and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what black Sabbath is for, man. That's, yeah. what, that, that's how we made our release. Like in those, that, that's what answered all those questions. But uh, what, what I pose right now is I thought it was such a cool, like dilemma that we can find ourselves in. Like, you know, we think we know all these things in the universe, right? And in our in our own world that we can like very like with circum like all this kind of evidence. We have arrays and arrays and a plethoras of evidence mm -hmm. that we can tell our kids, okay, here's why this happens, right? And uh, I, I had this kind of uh, imaginary thought in my head. So uh, researchers say they finally figured out the um, 
Well, first off, the mutation that gives electric eels their zap just recently. But mm. I'm not alluding to this. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, probably in the next segment. But the same thing is that giraffes, their long necks, okay, uh, might not just be about reaching tall plants. Now, I thought this was so cool because you imagine little Susie walking up to you and tugging on your, you know, coattail or whatever. And she's like, why do giraffes have long necks, Dada? <laughs> you know? And then you look down and, and the sun is just gleaming off her innocent little cranium. You know, you know, you kind of like peer inside of her head and see that little hamster just kind of going, going through the whole spinning motion, like just absorbing all the knowledge around her. And you just say, uh, you know, well, so they can headbutt each other to death. And that's what the science is uh, talking about right now is that evolution kind of caused them to more effectively headbutt each other through an act of domination and spread their seed. We're talking about, uh, you know, Darwinism in its uh, purest form, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. What yeah, do you think so about that? I, th I think that's a behavior that, that has been observed for a long time, you know, the whipping of the heads for, for giraffes. And Sean probably knows more about this, but I always I always talk about that in my any dinosaur related class I teach because um, it's thought that maybe the big long neck dinosaurs did something similar to that. Mm. Uh, but it is kind of cool to to think about whether or not it was truly them, you know, reaching up to the canopy and you know it became beneficial for food gathering or whether it was some combination of that and and competition because it all has to do with with survival and reproduction well it kind of brings me back to uh, sean our animal violence episode that we had you know talking mm. about like animal violence and the survival of the uh, fittest fighting for, like to be the most dominant you know yeah. and and yeah. it was really interesting that this like study like kind of made headlines this week mainly because mm. uh i don't know maybe they're looking for news or or, or what but uh <laughs> it, it is pretty interesting that now we can tell, you know, little Susie down there that, you know, it's much more violent than she would think, right? Yeah, and it's interest it's an interesting hypothesis and, you know, for some features where the, the it's an extreme feature, uh you you know, sometimes that sort of thing we call it runaway, you know, uh, evolution runaway selection where you know something like a peacock's tail is just the most absurd thing ever and it, it can actually be you know disadvantageous to the male to have this thing and that might be kind of part of the part of the interesting part of it um but it's it's clearly been selected for somehow and it's it's just running away it's going rampant and the long neck of a giraffe could you know feasibly be the end result of runaway selection for having you know using their neck essentially as a arm wrestling device there's a couple of problems with it um they're not they're not terrible uh you know uh completely hamstringing problems but usually those kind of features would be only found in males and you find the long neck of giraffes uh it's in both sexes there are some examples of you know, essentially traits that you associate with males that are found in both males and females. So like caribou, they have both males and females have antlers. Mm -hmm. um, and there's really not much big difference between the size of those two antlers. And so that, that, that does happen. And I don't think we have a really good explanation for mm -hmm. why that is, why you find 
you know, males and females with what look like weapons for fighting, um, okay. which usually is super easy to tell in the in like the test. If you want to, if you think right. it's because of sexual selection, if you think it's for uh, fighting, if it's in males only, I mean, you can almost guarantee it. But it's it's not. And, and for well, example, what about the horn on the rhino? Well, that's a, yeah. So, so the horn on rhinos found in males and females, but it's much longer in the males. Ah, it's more well okay. developed. Same thing with right. tusks and elephants. So there you go. I mean, you can find little short, stubby tusks in in uh, female elephants, but the males they're really extreme, really long. Um, you know, so f- giraffes have a weapon, and it's not just their neck, and it's it's very unique among the hoofed mammals. They have a uh, bony projections coming out of their head called ossicones. And, you know, I'm going to plead ignorance here because I'm not a mammologist. And even if I was a mammologist, I, I probably wouldn't know this. Uh, I'm not sure if it's bigger in the males versus the females. Uh, I would guess it is. Uh, and, and so the males, the males definitely battle for dominance in giraffes. And they have something to do it with. And it's not, I mean, they use their neck also, but that could be just incidental, right? So this is one of the classic cases where you don't know which, whether the mule is front in front of the cart or not and here's the thing i'll mention about this you know it could have been selection for getting your neck out there to feed on vegetation and then later used for battle or it could have been used for battle and then later used for getting vegetation it's one of those two possibilities or maybe a third we haven't thought of but when it comes to questions like these i always ask myself how would you test the question Mm. Okay, And that's where, you know, sometimes these kind of cockamamie ideas like this, and th- I-, I will admit paleontology is rife with these mm-hmm. kinds of, of questions because you can't answer them because the animal's extinct. And, you know, p- right. you can argue all day whether or not a tyrannosaur uh, was, a, was a carnivore or a scavenger, um, and, and you'll never know the answer, and there's no way to test it. Yeah, but the questions you- themselves evolve. The questions are interesting and they're worth they're worth worth positing. But I what I what I'm saying here is that I, you know, focus on the questions you can test and forget about, you know, these ones that, you know, you could test the question about Tyrannosaurus scavenger versus carnivore, but it's going to take somebody discovering an incredible, perfectly intact skeleton of a Tyrannosaur mm-hmm. eating a healthy, you know, a patasaur before we know the answer. Yeah, uh, and it's just going to be fortuitous that we discover, you know, uh, some sort of really cool fossil that lets us answer that. And until then, it's just kind of, these are kind of funny questions that, uh, well, 10 year olds can ask and hold them in the back of your mind. But with the giraffe's neck, you know, I can under, you could probably look at their ancestors and the fossil record and kind of try to tease it out the best you could using fossils. But, you know, all we have is like a handful of giraffe species and we can observe their behavior, and otherwise, it's it's, it's kind of hard to say. Mm. Yeah, the the funny thing about all this and paleontology, especially dinosaur paleontology, any sort of hypothesis like this, um, it always drives a lot of debate, a lot of heated debate. Like the the T Rex predator scavenger debate is a big one. Yeah. Um, do they do they yell at each other at oh, conferences yeah. about this? Oh yeah, yeah. there are a whole yeah. symposia really? about yeah. such things. <laughs> um, but talk, you know, talking about animal weaponry and 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 that sort of thing. There's a lot of examples just in dinosaurs um, that we have no clue about. You know, 
the ceratopsians, the horn dinosaurs, are a great example. Because there's there's really no no differences between males and females in terms of their their frills and their horns. So, like Sean was saying, if you're to if you're to presume that that they're strictly for defense or for for mating privileges, um, why do the females have them? So, um, and we've got you know armored dinosaurs with big clubs on their tails, Stegosaurus with spikes on its tails and big big plates on its back. So there's any number of examples, um, but you oftentimes find papers published about these sorts of things. Um, and I talk about it a little bit, like in, in um, historical geology class or something. And I like to, I like to compare, you know, your, your typical Cretaceous dinosaurs that we've talked about millions of times on, on this show to um, African mammals. Uh, because right. you see a lot of similarities um, in terms of their, their form. But also, you know, again, presuming that those similarities relate to behavior mm. um, and students like that sort of thing. So you can look at a yeah. uh, rhino, for example, and compare it to a triceratops or a T-Rex to a lion. Or Yeah. So what kind of correlates all these like questions? Because I'm going to officially call this episode what 10-year-old people ask you know like 10 year olds ask like 10 year old yeah. questions right like uh because the, these are good things for us to ponder on and, and we're kind of still in that same kind of sentiment you know mm-hmm. it, it's really cool because we're still like seeking these answers like all together mm-hmm. which which I, I i really find uh very graceful uh with humanity yeah, yeah. you know and, and the, some of these some of these are still some of the best questions that are still unanswered um, right. You know, in biology, I feel like there's there's really two realms. There's two things that biology have not have not discovered that um, you know the kind of the final frontier. <clears throat> One of them is uh, you know why we dream. We still don't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. What the function, like the adaptive significance of sleep in general, is, and why we dream. We don't know that. Don't you know, know, Sean, we're all one consciousness experiencing self subjectively. (laughs) There's no such thing as death. Life is but a dream and we're the imagination of ourselves. Quote Bill Hicks. I forgot that that part uh, of the textbook. (laughs) That was a Bill Hicks textbook. (laughs) Bill Hicks wrote a textbook. Wow. Uh, In his mind. Yeah. uh, Which we all write in our mind. And uh, maybe textbooks. And, And even, you know, okay, so back in the day, there was a book called uh, Tell Me Why. I don't know if you remember that, but it was in all the schools, all the elementary schools, and kids around 10 years old would submit different questions to Tell Me Why. Mm-hmm. And so they would publish this book with all the kids' questions, and they would have the answer to them. And I actually had a question that I posed to Tell Me Why, which was nationally published uh, in that book, which I was so <laughs> excited about. I was like, oh, my what? God! Are you getting residuals for that? No, I'm not, we're, but it's still there. And you can still buy the book. In the shadow of greatness right now. I'm this telling you, dude. And all, all it was was the 10-year-old Conley question of where do we get our last names? That was all That was all I was asking. <laughs> That's a good one. But uh, it was a good question. Yeah. You know, my, my little interview journalistic mind kind of uh, resonated all the way back then. But uh, that kind of moves us on. Uh, we have... Um, let me see here. Uh, here, here, we got, the, here come the aliens. We got about five minutes left. <laughs> We can kind of allude to the next thing. Like, um, we, we can kind of carry on with the the uh, young mind. Is, is there something 
biologically in the young mind that makes us more adapt to want to ask these questions? Is it because we're new in, newer in the world and we don't have the distractions that the world like keeps us in? Like, or what what makes what makes uh, inquisitive young minds, Sean? Wow, that's a really great question. Tell me why, yeah, baby. Stuff, Publish it. This right stuff. Now. I mean, and people are. This is the. This kind of is a good segue to the other great unanswered question of biology, which is like the nature of consciousness and how how the brain does what it does, mm. and that's what you know. All these big tech companies are trying to study this. Uh, so you know in. in to kind of dominate the AI field, right? Artificial intelligence. Oh boy. And um, I, I have and so, actually a segment on the AI field we'll get yeah. to later. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But those those two those two things are completely interlinked. And that is like, you know, so for example, after figuring out how how DNA works, um which they, you know, uh Watson and Crick called that the the secret of life. And then figuring out how DNA codes for protein and makes bodies is is what Crick called the second uh, secret of life. We already know those two secrets. Those are those are two huge questions that a five year old might have asked back in 1934 that we have answers for. We know exactly how that works. It's mind blowing that we know how that works. And we didn't know 100 years ago how any of that worked. We Mm -hmm. didn't know what DNA even did. We didn't even know what what genes did. But yeah, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. We, we knew how genes kind of work, but genes were just this hypothetical thing that Mendel had come up with. And he understood the mathematics of how it does its thing. But we didn't know what the physical basis for it was. We figured all that out. Crick was really good. You know, good scientist was, was his next project after figuring out the two secrets of life was figure out how consciousness works, how the brain works. And we don't know. Um, and my guess is it could be just as simple and as elegant as how DNA works. It could be. I mean, it, it often is because biology is lazy. It figures out really easy, simple ways to figure to, to make things happen. Mm-hmm. But isn't DNA that, just a fingerprint of our past? Sure, it's it's an, it's inherited. But it, the way it works and the way the the way the structure is is so simple. And it's almost, it's not binary. It's got four right. coding yeah. things, right? It's, it's not quite binary, uh, but it is, it's almost binary. It's, it's four things. It's not zeros and ones. It's four possible things that give you all this complexity. And it could be, consciousness could be that simple. And it just, but how do you, how do you test the question? How do you even ask? You know, mm. and they're starting to ask. And it's really interesting stuff. And, you know, that's, 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 that's where we are. That's what we're trying to figure out. And that's what's cool about it because we've come to a point to where we kind of uh, abandoned or forgot the zeros and ones, as the yeah. great band Fair Midland would but back say. To your, back, back to the childhood thing, right? You're, the human brain has to get on in gear and get going in the first five years. Think of all the stuff you're learning, all the words and what they mean, all the associations. Mm. And you're learning a language, right? Any human being can learn any language on earth very quickly as long as you're three as long as you're two Mm -hmm. if you're older than that it sucks it doesn't work very well it's almost impossible for someone our age to learn a new language especially a really different one yeah and that's amazing imagine if we could keep that same brain capacity that a two-year-old has into adulthood (laughs) 
just without the picking. Of I mean, I know and... some people right now that have that same brain capacity, but still. But, yeah. uh, all right. Well, we're about to go to our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, I have a great add-on to your AI question and the fact that people are creating their own languages. So we're going to get to that right after this quick commercial break. All right, and we are back. Uh, This episode is kind of all over the place, but in a good way because uh, I really appreciate the fact that we're kind of just uh, throwing the ball back and forth and uh, kind of adapting to each other's, like, uh, acknowledgement of what thought is and consciousness and science and the stem from where it lies. And uh, so we were talking last uh, break, uh, well, last uh, segment, about uh, AI. You brought it up, Sean. And, um, well, uh, AI is very powerful. And the recently in news, there was a powerful AI named Doll E that has started creating its own secret language. And nobody on earth, no person, knows what the secret language is. They can't decipher it yet. And uh, also, someone told that same AI, <laughs> this is what's so weird about humans. Like, to insert Kermit the Frog into different movies and TV shows and match each one's style. And the results uh, came up with probably the next episodes that we're going to produce for the next, like, 10 years. So, like, I mean, that's how impressive it was. It yeah. was insane. I'm, I'm glad they've got this this highly technological <laughs> advanced AI working on Kermit the Frog cartoons. That's great. I <laughs> thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I, what the What are we thinking? Have we gone insane? Or is AI like kind of engineering us to be like the the cows of the Cretaceous? Like what what is going not. on here? It, it kind of is though. At least some technology is. But the fact that it created its own secret language that nobody else knows. Don't you like look at kids and you, you can kind of see kids like y'all have kids. Mm-hmm. Y'all see them play at the park and stuff. They have their own little language that they're kind of doing yeah by themselves. Like I don't know if they really know what they're talking about, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, like, and they're not doing it for global. AI conquests, they're doing it for fun. Are they? I don't know, man, because they dominate your life. Dude, they don't, they, I guarantee that. Not mine. I'm the king of my castle. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> say that next time you take out the diaper, okay? Right. Yeah. But I thought this was really cool in talking about questions and consciousness and the fact that we are actually even like creating something that is going beyond what we mm-hmm. can even comprehend. It, it creeps me out, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Yeah, when he said that it was developing its own language, I kind of got a little bit of a, a chill. Maybe yeah, I watched too much Black Mirror, but it's kind of creepy. Yeah, I'm I'm creeped out about it too. I, I, I'm mostly worried. You know, I'm not worried about the machines taking over Terminator Two style, but um, I am worried about what you know. It's just another technology, and I'm worried about getting you know leapfrogged by a less than benevolent you know, nation state that uses it to develop new weapons and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, I mean, that's almost guaranteed that whoever gets this and gets it going, you know, it's going to be able to design, you know, the new stealth, whatever, and uh, that we never thought of. And well, what's reassuring about it is that, you know, we have researchers like using machine learning, right. AI often, uh, that don't know these answers to the questions that are using AI to find answers to the questions that they don't know. But now it seems like there's like this mysterious force that 
I don't know. Is it benevolent? Like, but where does it stem? You were talking about binary, right? It mm-hmm. really does stem technically from zeros and ones. I mean, when you're yeah. talking about computer science. So, what do you think? So I think I think we need to burn it all to the ground. <laughs> because it's all binary, we shouldn't worry about it. I no, I don't. No, no. I'm just saying, like you know, it seems like we've evolved past this binary statute, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, even in our genes, from, like from the molecular level. Oh yeah, and I mean, uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I do absolutely believe that artificial intelligence could give us a lot of positive things. It's our, it already has, you know. And and AI was able to. What was the famous story? And AI figured out a uh, some sort of a application for a chemical for protein something or other with therapeutic effects that nobody had ever thought of. Mm. You know, an AI figured out a new move in that crazy ancient Chinese game that nobody had ever thought of. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and same with right. chess, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. But it's like it's like any other uh, technology we ever came up with. You know, the first person with a bow and arrow was like, oh, cool. I can use this to uh, kill a mule deer or I can go and kill my neighbors with it. So it's it's just like that. As long as as long as a benevolent society or government uh, has the most powerful one. And I nominate the United States to be that, <laughs> to be that nation oh, state. Over there safely in Australia. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Or oh, fine in Australia, UK, France, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> as long you know, uh, it's going to be fine. But if if one of the uh, bad guys gets it first, it could, be, it could really destabilize things. Yeah, I just had a vision of, of, <clears throat> of Putin riding a giant, yeah. a giant robot through the middle of Moscow. <laughs> yeah we get, i mean we're really bad at self-flagellation in the u.s i'm 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 i'll say that i, I do it all the time I, I i criticize things that we do but you know we are a benevolent democracy um for, you know and we've we we have had really nasty technology right that we came up with first and we used it to end world war ii and we didn't use it again for aggressive purposes and you know you can't say the same thing about some of the other countries that were around at that time. Mm-hmm. They would not have done that. Uh, so we give ourselves a pat on the back. And uh, and right now, I think we probably are pretty pretty high up ahead in the race for AI. We've got a good chance of getting there first. Uh, or at least just a company that's, you know, got taxpayers. Yeah, but I mean, it seems like sometimes like things can be created and manifested <clears throat> through AI that aren't manifested manifested through humans and uh, humans yeah. have influence from that mm-hmm. manifestation created originally by AI. And that's what a lot of debate is about at the moment, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, th- if you look at history, what it will end up being, you know, it, you know, we're, we're thinking Terminator two, we're thinking dark mirror <laughs> and it'll just be, it'll be way more mundane than that. Right. Oh, like way the more. internet. Yeah. The internet got started at first. It was just people. Uh, oh, wow. I can email my professor, you know, it started like that for four years and then it took off. And now, you know, you can't get on the Internet without just uh, reading nothing but lies. And it's influencing everything in politics and, and practically nothing but bad ways. Who would have ever thought that, you know, back in 1994, mm-hmm. that the Internet <clears throat> would be so potentially powerful and poisonous? And now we're looking at it. It'll be mundane. People will all, it'll be something people will want to buy into. They won't recognize the perils until they're already doing it. 
that's that's probably what it'll be yeah. like. I feel like it, it'll have a, a impact to society like cell phones, really. Like, mm. um, and the yeah. thing that worries me is um, kind of in the way that cell phones have been a major distraction for people and have really changed how people interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. if, if you don't ever have to go on a date, you don't ever have to socialize with anyone because, you know, for you know however much people pay for a cell phone, thousand two thousand dollars or whatever you have your your companion ai who who will always give the right answer and and will always you know be there and 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 give you words of encouragement so again i'm going black mirror with it but well it still kind of boils down to our own influence right and and our circles because like for me you know i i the reason I got into computer science, the reason I respect computer science so much is the fact that you do have endless creation opportunities. And I really do believe that. Uh, but at the same time, I, I see people use all of these like different tools, right, that we have. And there's an app for everything. But you know what? A lot of the apps out there are just, come on, they just want your information. Mm-hmm. And they will like, uh, there was an app that I bought that like, did nothing and then all of a sudden like my information was sold right and it was because they they pay all this on instagram and i bought it off instagram so like there's a trigger effect Mm -hmm. here and and like you say sean there's this like um delicate balance between lies and the truth right and and it's not really i guess you could say it's lies but uh it's just deception it seems Mm -hmm. well it seems like with a with an ai Again, if you're dealing with a, a benevolent entity, could be could be programmed to only give truth, um, you know, objective data. And and I, as as we were talking about this, again, we're we're all kind of, you know, pulling pulling this episode out of our out of our rear end. It's <laughs> <is> true. Yeah. <laughs> but but I've I've got a I've got a question since we're all scientists. Um, how would how would y'all feel? Let's say we develop advanced AI and can hook it up to some sort of robot, um, and instead of sending people to Mars, the first things to and, and we've already we're doing it with Mars rovers, of course. But if we had human-like AI <coughs> AI things, what do y'all think about sending those to Mars instead of the first mission being an actual human manned mission? If an AI could effectively and safely land on Mars, get out, collect samples, hop back into the ship, and come back to, to, to Earth. They could just analyze them there. Yeah. You, you think yeah. about it from a practical sense. And send the data. And from, a, from a cost efficiency standpoint, it makes no sense at all to send people to Mars. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm actually, yeah. uh, I'm going to be a weird person because as much as I love the space program and is, is mind-blowing and is... Uh, dramatic as all that stuff going to the moon was i feel like at this point it like if if you could save you know 400 billion dollars by sending a really good robot to do that work and not have to build a habitation and all that crap um i mean that 400 billion dollars could be spent on a lot of very good things Mm -hmm. here on earth and so that's you know people argue that just about the space program in general 
that it's a waste of money. All uh, Elon Musk has to do is uh, make a contest, and then like they'll do it for free. Yeah, yeah. Man. yeah. and I think he will because he <laughs> he's definitely on the side of the uh, pioneering spirit, send a human, and so that's how it's going to go. But eventually, you know, if if taxpayers are paying for this, I mean, it makes no sense to send people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what about other jobs? What if? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, they're already doing our other deep jobs. Sea, let's send let's send uh, deep sea rovers all over the place looking for things. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to send uh, divers down to the uh, Milwaukee deep mm-hmm. to look for things. Uh, that's not cost effective either. Uh, if you can send a, a drone that's uh, the size of my laptop uh, with incredible cameras and all kinds of other things to go study the deep sea, uh, it's the same thing. Well, we um, have well, we have about eight minutes left. So let let me ask this question. I mean, how is that any different from okay? And and I I read about this today too. It was amazing. Um, you know, uh, the progressive type movement in our society, human behavior, and how it's like kind of uh, progressed throughout the last fifty, even fifty years, fifty to hundred years. You know, we have appliances to do our work for us. We have things to cook for us. We have things to keep our food cold. We have uh, you know, I, printers and all this other stuff mm-hmm. that completely progress our technology to where we don't have to do nearly as much work. So where does it end? Like, I don't, uh, where, where does it end? Do we just keep going until it just takes it all over or like, uh, well, that, yeah, that, just... yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, what's his name? Uh, that's Facebook man's goal, right? Mm-hmm. Facebook the metaverse. Man. Facebook man. Who am I talking about? <laughs> Zuckerberg? Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, yeah. He's he's going to start a universe, right? I. It's going to, yeah, to where everybody just, uh, it's all it's all meta. It's all uh, fake. And he's going to try to make it so amazing and real that <clears throat> people would rather do that than anything else. He'll probably figure out a way. To, I mean, imagine... Imagine if you go into this like whatever three dimensional video game and the, and it's it's almost reality or it is mm-hmm. it's better than reality because you can have anything you want you can do it you can be whoever you want you you can uh, you know yeah but where's the consequence of death and that's it's it, it's all no nobody will even know what that is you'll be uh, you, you live in that thing since you're six years old and you don't even and you just so he's gonna the game. suck our souls out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. But and there, I'm not, I'm but, not game for that. But, no. Matt, if it was that good, where you could have and do and be wh- whoever you wanted to be, who would want to live in the real world? Yeah. Well, it's already it's there are already you know games and things like that. From what I understand, I was listening to a podcast and um, uh, it was a comedian. They were interviewing a comedian, um, and this guy basically spends you know twelve hours a day sitting with a VR headset on in front of his computer in one of these meta universes or whatever they call them. Duncan Trussell. I don't, it wasn't Duncan Trussell. Okay. It, was, it was, it was a comedian. Uh, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he was talking about it. And, um, you know, with, with digital currency, with, with, um, Bitcoin and all of that, there's currency for, for this metaverse, right? So we, there's an economy, um, with modern computer graphics, you can make it look pretty realistic. And uh, so what this guy was saying, it was really, to me, it creeped me out because I like being outside. I like, I love outside I like experiencing too, the real world. Yeah. 
but this this comedian uh, would would have stand up nights with like open mic nights in yeah. his metaverse in the VR. Yeah, and and I actually like me and my cousin have a Vive, a VR headset, mm-hmm. and it's really hard once you're so saturated into that VR universe. Like when you come out, you look at your hand and you're like, I don't know about <laughs> my, this. My hand you was know? better in the VR. <laughs> like the graphics suck out here, you know. Like it, it's yeah. just so weird. Like because and it's only gonna get better. It's it's gonna get photo real, photo realism inside those things. Yeah, but and then you're gonna that... have to ask yourself, what? Where is the central nervous system of all this? Like, <clears throat> you know, like you're constantly being manipulated. Are we like I, I don't know? That's a good question. Like you, you keep like pulling the thread mm-hmm. back towards you, and you're finding different things. Just like that ten year old question asking, "Okay, I'm in this like you know VR now, right? Why is the sky blue or why is you know mm-hmm. giraffes next? Wow. wow, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And think of, okay, so here think about this: when the first movies came out um, in like 1900s. They had a, a an image of a train coming into a station where it that was filmed from the sidewalk, like just just off center from the train. It's coming towards the audience. The audience freaked out and thought the train was going to come out of the screen and run them all over. They'd never seen anything like it. Right? Yeah, that's true. Wow. That, and that's a movie screen. It's two dimensional. It's obviously fake. It was black and white and shitty and and jumpy. You know the old <laughs> the old early twentieth century footage that was like cranked too high and people all thought they were about to get run over by a train so imagine what we're talking about people won't know what's real and what's not Mm -hmm. and people will not but in a way for like a conservationist it's great nobody's going to go anywhere anymore they're all going to stay at home and the environment will just (laughs) regrow uh and for (laughs) the few degenerates and misanthropes like us who love to go out on the trail it's going to be great it will uh, be we great. Won't, yeah. we, won't want, we won't want to plug in. We'll know. But we'll be the last generation of people who experience real life. But like in uh, one of my favorite movies, Children of Men, you have these adventure-like pioneering kind of like spirits. Like like what we do, we, we go out to Big Bend. We go out and we hike. We explore the world. We love adventuring. You know, That's just in our DNA. That's what we love to do. But then you have oh, that same kind of pioneer. Yeah, that, that, that's there, but also it's in our DNA to want to be narcissistic uh, dictators if we want if we wanted to be, right? Mm-hmm. If it, it, It's in our DNA to sit around all day and, and watch girls in bikinis. Yeah, that's, right? a, that's what I was about else. to say. It's like there, there, there are going to be some other uses for those metaverses aside that's, from— of course, all yeah. it's it's going to be all the you know, or to eat all day and never feel satiated, just to feel to taste the flavors, all those base kinds of things that you know the gluttony, the seven deadly sins. Let's just say it. Mm-hmm. All that is part of our DNA too. Yeah, right? that'll, that'll be the so that'll uh, transcend right along with us. Yeah, that'll be the start menu for for the metaverse <laughs> program. Seven choices. <laughs> Oh, well, we got our last uh, we got our last segment coming up. We're going to kind of uh, answer all these questions and leave you in complete wonder. Yeah, we're not going to answer wonder. any questions. We're not going <laughs> to we're, we're not going to answer any questions, but we're going to ponder on them just like that 10-year-old pondering on why the sky is blue right after this quick commercial break. All right, we're back with the Science Nights and we're talking about some freaky stuff, AI and all that and like robots taking over the planet and and really just kind of talking about weird existential questions so 
where we left off, Conley had to step outside, but he's coming back in, so you might hear some weird background noises. Um, we, we were talking about the metaverse and this creepy sort of uh, alternate world that people may live in um, in the near future. And uh, we talked about how that would affect our reality, and, and Sean and me and Conley all agreed that we'd still be out traipsing around in, in the desert and doing fun stuff outside. Uh, but, you know, 100 years from now, there might not be any yeah. need for people to do that. Yeah, no, there is. About, there will be. I worry about the development of the human brain in that kind of environment. Uh, it's already kind of starting to happen. Uh, you know, people, especially students, some some people in higher education feel like rote memorization is a terrible thing and a terrible way to learn. But I always, I'm always like, no, no, shut up. A huge, significant part of what the human brain does is memorize things. And you need to be able to do it. And you need to be able to train your brain to do it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And it is a skill that you can get better at. And so uh, if you don't have to memorize anything, if you don't have to know anything, and anytime you th- uh, think of something like, oh, what's the capital of Britain? I better go look it up. Mm-hmm. What does that do to your brain? Because your brain, you know, the, the higher functions that people really think are awesome that higher education think are awesome, abstract thinking, making connections, all that depends on having a bunch of stuff in your brain to begin with. Right. Before you can make any of those cool connections and creative things and tie it all together, you have to know something. And if you never know anything, I don't think you can do the other part. Well, yeah. Wasn't so that that's, like- that's where I think that's a huge problem. It's already happened. I see people like uh, instead of looking through a field guide to identify a plant, which I think is an incredibly cool mental exercise and something you can get good at. People crowdsource everything now. They put a plant on Facebook and say, hey, is there anybody out there who knows what this is? And they don't go through the trouble mm-hmm. of looking it up and that and getting that good mental exercise that, that goes with that. And I think mm. that's going, I mean, that's definitely making us dumber. Um, and it's going to make society as a whole way dumber. And then what we're talking about, this metaverse thing where you're just, in this vacuum and you're being uh, plugged in and, and, and everything is just fed to you. That's going to make human brains incredibly stupid. Well, the, 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 the dystopian part of that is if we program this AI to uh, sustain us doing this, in other words, we we're perfectly fine as a society plugging in and never plugging out, living in the perfect world in our own brains the AI will still be out there doing stuff, finding resources, making discoveries, so they can sustain these weird blobs of humans that are plugged into to <laughs> that's AI. What, that's you know what I'm talking great. about. I love that. Like, what, what There's never been a science fiction movie like that where the slaves are the smart ones, right? And and the blobby overlords are total morons, and they're just going around serving them. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. But, dude, it's no different than now. Like, if there's a solar flare that happens right now and takes out all the electricity in America, the only ones that are going to survive are the, like, tribal ones that didn't even know electricity existed. <laughs> or those crazy, like, you know, people in the bomb yeah. shelters and, and Ter- stuff, you know? Terlingua's will be totally fine. Oh, they'll be, they'll be, good. <laughs> yeah, they'll be they, good. You know what? I'm going to Terlingua if that happens. Terlingua dude. Terry knows how to survive. Terlingua Terry. Get out of here, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but seriously, the meek shall inherit the earth. That's kind of what the Bible said. I'm just saying. 
Yeah. Well, if 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 the AI is inherent to the Earth, then you're talking the the well the, the AI need electricity. Overlords. They need like you know programming. They need like you know some kind of out external yeah. source, right? Like we we need an external source. That's the sun, right? The sun is our electricity mm-hmm. and water, right? So I think uh, we should call this. Uh, I've got an idea for a science fiction story. We should call it the Matrix. I don't know if anyone saw <laughs> this before. But I think we got something here. There should guys. be like yes. two pills people I can think take. That's yeah. what this is. Yeah, dude. Schiller, that's the that's the different interpretation of the Matrix. All those blobby battery uh, people plugged into the Matrix. Yep. Are 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 being served by the the little octopus critters. Yeah. That's how that really worked. It's not the other way around. Yeah. Didn't we mm. want to talk about o- octopi? We, we, that, we was got two yeah. that was yeah, the we, segue. Yeah, well, we got about four minutes four left. Minutes. <laughs> Octopi are really cool. <laughs> Octopus. Been a great episode. Uh, <laughs> no, just, anyway, but but no, I found an octopus. I found an octopus. I, I went to the beach here in Australia, and I told I told uh, Stanley I was like I'm going to catch you an octopus, and my wife was like Don't tell him that. You're not, it's going to be harder than you think, and he's going to be super disappointed if you don't succeed. So we go to these tide pools. And I'm I'm looking around like the at the ones they sell at Dollar General. <laughs> no, 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 Those not tide, tide pods. pods tide oh, pools. okay, sorry. So these rocky pools. There's all kinds of cool critters, crabs, and everything. And I'm starting to lose hope. And and Stanley's back there looking expectantly, and I see this tentacle <laughs> come out from under a rock. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, this is either a octopus or a brittle star. And even either way, it's going to be cool. So I flip this. I realize I try to dig this thing out, and it's not happening so i realized this rock i can flip it it's it's not wedged into the substrate so i flip it and this thing like some sort of an alien creature goes squirting out and finds a smaller rock to get under and i see its eyes protruding from behind the smaller rock these evil goat eyes and it turns purple in a second and it's looking at me with hate in its eyes <laughs> do you not think it's fear, hate? do you think it's really not hate? fear not fear. I know. I can look into the eyes of another person, and and it w- and this but was it's another not a person. person. It's octopus. This thing was a person. It was an octopus. <laughs> it was the most intelligent thing I've ever caught, and it looked at me with sheer hate. And I tickled it into a bucket, and it immediately tickled. shot. Wait, its, its, I tickled it with you a little it. shovel. You yeah, tickled. a little shovel. I, I, I was very. My careful. uncle tickled me when I was about like fourteen years <laughs> we'll talk, old. But. We'll talk about that off air. We might need to. <laughs> So it gets into the bucket, squirts its jets at me into my, into my face, uh, and it, just water, not ink. And I've got it. And I go over and check it. And everybody, I'm going nuts. Is incredible. It's about the size of a softball, tentacles, the whole thing. This is the coolest part. And we'll leave it the show with this because it's a very intelligent animal. At one point, it decides to crawl to the edge of the bucket, and I'm like, "Hey guys, look, look! It's about to, it's about to crawl out." And this octopus is about two feet above the sand. And instead of just flopping onto the sand out of the bucket, which anything else would have done, a crab, uh, you know, a fish would have just flopped. This thing has never experienced gravity in its life, right? It lives underwater. This thing does a front flip Hmm. off the bucket, using its tentacles as leverage and as ballast to flip, does a front flip out of the bucket onto the sand and then starts crawling away. How does this animal know to what a front flip is and how to do it? Mm-hmm. It's a it's an octopus. It's an aquatic animal. 
doesn't live in gravity environment. How does it even do? This thing is more intelligent than we are, and we got to watch out for them. <laughs> well, there was another, and we we'll do this on another plug episode. Them into the metaverse, but there was we a, should not plug them into the metaverse. We they will become our eight-legged overlord. Yeah, got to got to read some HP Lovecraft. Yeah, call it Cthulhu. That's yeah. what I was about to allude to. But you know that you know they they are like actually studying octopi right now, or octopuses, or whatever you want to call them, um, as the closest thing to anything that would think intelligently as an alien would. Like an, mm. an actual alien from another planet. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. there's actual science backing this up. We have to do an episode on this, and we will do that. But uh, it's been a fantastic episode. Anything y'all want to wrap up with? Because I've been very entertained. I've loved this yeah. episode. It, None of this is I, real. <laughs> so, you're in the metaverse. If you're listening to this, unplug. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I'm telling you. It, it's uh, truth shall set, set you free. I think I'm going to watch TV for the rest of the day. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Turn it off, man. Turn it off. Don't be manipulated. All right, everybody. This has been the Science Nights in the Morning. We will see you next week with another fantastic episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. You can also listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at BigBenRadio.com. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you, and thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the Morning with a K, and we'll see you next time.